Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It is 1235 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer. Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Bruce Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. The 99th Roos Chris is currently closed to comply with provincial health guidelines. But Brennan and the staff at Roos Chris are wishing you a safe and happy holiday season. They look forward to seeing you again soon. Just before we go to Brian Lawton, this text comes in from the Chiseler out of Las Vegas. Bob, with a personal connection to you, a special shout out to you and Brendan Escott for years of unprecedented work on Oilers Now. You always take care of us. And I know it's difficult to put into words at times. Happy holidays and a happy new year to everybody listening. Uh, from the Chiseler in Vegas, who may have provided me with some information on what Vegas was going through COVID-related back in uh, the month of uh, June in particular. To our winners now, headliner for touchback safety. And uh, yes, indeed, there we go. Uh, Touchback Safety. Stay safe on the job while saving time and money with an all-new blended learning course from Touchback Safety. Discover your safety training solutions today at touchbacksafety.com. We welcome back to the show longtime uh, NHL player, later uh, NHL agent, then NHL executive, and now with the NHL Network, a man that's been uh, tied into hockey specifically in the United States, uh, but knows the league as well as anybody out there, Brian Lawton. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bob. I'm always happy to be your American connection to the NHL. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> well, you're, hey, it's not, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I have Jack Michaels on the show. He's American, but he spent the last, he's spent the last uh, 10 years. I haven't been able to run him off yet, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I'll tell him he's second. He's the second American connection. Hey, t- now, do you, uh, you know, it's the state of 10,000 lakes. Is that what they call it? What do they call, uh, well, I know they call it the state of hockey. What is what is the official motto of Minneapolis or of, of uh, Minnesota? Uh, official motto? Yeah, like what do no, they, is, is it the state of 10,000 lakes or? Well, it's two things, and you just said both of them, that it's well known for throughout the country, and that is, State of hockey, yeah. Or since the open, the opening for the Minnesota Wild, they plant the flag at center ice before every game. Have a young youth player come out and do that. They make a big deal out of it. Uh, and then the land of ten thousand lakes. I think land. it's more like the land, the land of a hundred thousand lakes. If you want to really be true, because there's just a lake everywhere in Minnesota. All right, so so Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes, and Oilers now is the show of 10,000 mistakes. How's that? There we go. We'll have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, now, I know you've been pinch-hitting on the NHL Network. Uh, I know you guys are covering the World Juniors. I popped into the building yesterday. 
We're early in the tournament still. I know some people have made a big deal about how widespread the scoring is in the games and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, there's been a couple blowouts. Canada's won 16-2 and 10 nothing. The Americans have won 12-0 or 12-1. Is this something we should be concerned about, or is it just a maybe a, uh, an odd year in that regard because of some of the challenges that have come with COVID? Definitely a little bit more exaggerated this year. Always going to be part of the tournament as you try to expand the numbers, even at, uh, you know, going from 8, 10 to 12. That's including a lot of people. And for the good of hockey, I think it's great. It means a lot to these countries, even if they don't do well. In terms of what could the organization do to maybe de-incentivize some of these teams to really keep their foot on the gas, I don't know, make it a cap. I've seen some people suggest it's how fast you score your goals. Doesn't matter after that when you get a margin. Uh, I would like to maybe see something done, but I understand both sides of the argument that we want to include Austria. Uh, Germany's situation, I'll write that one off to, to COVID this year, not having a full team when they started the tournament. That was really challenging for them. Um, but, you know, overall, it's a great tournament. I played in it when it was an eight-team tournament, and I got to tell you, every game was a real challenge. There were no games that were decided by more than three goals that I played in when I played the World Juniors. I love that, but I love including all these other nations because it helps grow the game around the world. Do you recall who the best players were when you played uh, in that tournament? I mean, you went number one in the draft, but do you recall a couple guys in other teams that were pretty good? I do. Thomas Sandstrom was really good. Um, God, there were so many good kids. Valerie Kaminsky playing. Uh, Canada had all the great guys. That was easy. None of them played, but they were all future Hall of Famers. Mario Lebeau and Stevie Eisenberg being the two biggest. Um, you know, we talked about this before. Wally Treviak uh, and uh, Gordy Shervin were oh, guys that maybe weren't. weren't yeah. Wally Schreiber? Yeah. Was it Wally Schreiber? Yeah, he's from Edmonton, actually. <laughs> I've seen him at my friend's bar at uh, Pub 1905, Dan Baker's place. He's still in terrific shape. He looks like he can still play now, him and Dan. Hey, Brian, just, just the American-Canadian thing. Like, we have this discussion. I personally think the Americans have supplanted the Russians as Canada's biggest rival. Uh, who do you think the Americans see as a bigger rival, Canada or Russia? Uh, definitely Canada. Russia is always very emotional for the United States, but Canada, you know, particularly what happened in the last few years, is always the game that the kids, the players, and the coaches are most excited about. Now, they know each other so well, obviously. Even in today's day and age, these younger kids are playing against each other more earlier, international tournaments, things like that. But uh, the Russians are still a mystique. You know, you look at their World Junior team, and yes, hockey people know who these players are, uh, but the kids don't see them as much as they would like, particularly in this tournament when we spread out over a few age groups. The kids get to know the kids that are their age pretty much, but it starts to dissipate a little bit for the World Juniors. But um, that's always a huge game. It's definitely the second biggest game 
for the United States when they play Russia, and they did not play well, obviously, in that first one. But um, Canada is the game that they're circling on the calendar always. And, you know, I like to see that game in the past on New Year's Eve game. It's always been incredible. Um, you know, it's just a big deal. It was a big deal when I was playing in it. That was in 1983, and it's still a big deal all these years later. Brian, is Canada completely different than they were in the mid-'80s? Because to me, Canada tried to physically intimidate and play with emotion, but maybe there wasn't quite as much emphasis on skill. And my interpretation now is Canada's not the most physical country anymore, but they're far more skilled. Would you agree or disagree with that perspective? Completely agree. It's been an evolution for them. And, uh, you know, the years that, even if you go back in the Olympics, the one in, trying to think of the one where they didn't really play well, team was a little bit off, Torino, Italy, and Ostek. Yeah. You know, Hockey Canada has gone through an evolution, evolution of how they pick their teams. And I think it's really served them well, certainly on the Olympic level. In the World Juniors, you've seen some gyrations, and that can happen depending on the flavor of the coaches that they bring in. And, um, you know, for the most part, though, there's definitely been a shift in the construction of Canada's team, as well as the United States team, for that matter. They have recognized that speed and skill, just like in the National Hockey League, are just as important in international hockey, maybe even more so because you have such a variance in the officiating. Ah, I think you're onto something there. I mean, I think of Canada having one of the greatest teams ever in 05. In 06, Brent Sutter coached that team again, but that was more of a Brent Sutter team. They had guys like Steve Downey. That was an aggressive, in-your-face team, not quite as reliant on the physicality. Uh, do we look, do you think in terms of evaluating prospects, like I, I was just thinking of Quentin Byfield. You know, he was in the tournament last year, the youngest player in Team Canada. And he's not put in a position where he's going to get all the, the best uh, situations on the ice. A kid like Tim Stutzla, as an example of Germany, even early in this tournament, you know what? He's out in every key critical uh, scenario for Germany because they don't have anybody else. Whereas Byfield isn't guaranteed. He's not on the first power play unit. Is it, do we have to keep that in mind when we're evaluating players that the deeper countries, it works against their younger draft-eligible prospects? Uh, yeah, absolutely do. And I saw some of that way back when, when I was playing. I was playing for the United States, not a stronger team. Uh, really, in a very fluke deal, the coach didn't even know my name when I went to that World Junior Tournament. I was the extra forward. Somehow got a hat trick in like the preseason to it, and then he knew my name, and I got to play all the time. Whereas guys like Mario Lemieux and Steve Eisenman were before the guys I meant were behind the guys I mentioned. They hardly even played. When they did, wow. they were amazing. But, but you know, there's a lot that has to be said for opportunity. Now, in Tim Stoops' case, I will tell you this. He's a damn good player on any team, in my opinion. Yes. And it doesn't matter. He, you know, it, it, I know Tim. He's a great kid. Uh, I think he's going to do really well, personally. But um, it had to be a real challenge for him to get his rear end kicked away their team did by Canada. Uh, he'll respond from it, though. He's not the type of kid that he, he's got that kind of always happy, smiley outlook in life, and he's a pretty impressive guy. There's no doubt about it. But in Quentin Blyfield, it absolutely hurt him last year in terms of being evaluated 
Yep. In the short term, but by the time they got to the draft, I think it worked itself out. I think he should have been the second pick. Well, so do I, and I, I'm, I'll take it one step further here. I think that Stutzel has got a way better chance to be successful early in his career because I know LA is going to bring Byfield along slower, and Stutzel might get more. You know, he's going to make Ottawa. He's going to be in their top six from the get-go. So we'll see that come. Brian, you know what's crazy? Did you ever used to watch Welcome Back, Connor, when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Epstein's mother has texted the show, and Epstein's mother says, you guys are 12 minutes into this interview, and you haven't talked about return to play. Think about when we went away. You know, we weren't sure if it was going to come to fruition. Well, Brian, we have an NHL season. We're going to be rolling. We're going to have the North Division training camps on January 3rd. We're going to be dropping the puck on January 13th. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy, and uh, I can't tell you how many random texts I'm just getting from people now saying, man, are they ever ready for an Intel hockey? Let's get it back. Let's get it going. Let's get it started. People are they're starting to get excited about it, and, you know, there's been a little air of everybody hasn't been 100% sure this is going on or that's going on, but i got to give the NHL a lot of credit. They've been focused on getting it done, and I think we're going to. The Edmonton Oilers signed Slater Cuckoo to improve their depth on defense. Uh, they're also bringing in Devin Shore. I think Devin's got a chance to make the team. Dave Tippett yesterday on Oilers Now, and I, I know you've spoken to Dave a fair amount, uh, spoke about the Oilers' improved depth up front and the necessity for Edmonton to improve their five-on-five play. If the Oilers do that, can they compete for top spot in the Canadian division? They can. They absolutely can. You know, it's funny, I was... Uh... Uh, I, I just grabbed a, a, a quick beer the other day where I'm at right now with Tom Dundon, and we were talking about some of the still some of the inefficiencies in the league. I mean, Edmonton has, you know, two of the very best players in the league. They should be at the top, and yet it's not that easy. You know, the rest of the players do matter. Signings like Slater Cook do matter, and all the other guys that you have. There's so much difference between hockey and these other sports. That's also a beauty of the sport. But when it's all said and done, I do see Edmonton finishing in the top three in the Canadian division. Now, did uh, he tell you whether or not he's going to get Dougie Hamilton signed to a long-term extension? <laughs> we may have discussed Doug Hamilton, but that's a private matter. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, Brian, uh, happy New Year. We'll hook up next Wednesday when we're a couple days in a training camp, okay? Fantastic, Bob. Thank you. You bet. That is uh, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you. Uh, This text comes in on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Hey, Bob, who asked for the trade, PK or uh, Lindsey Vaughn? That one comes to us from Sam. I I don't quite understand that. So Sam saying that PK got traded to New Jersey because of Lindsey Vaughn? Is that what Sam's inferring? I don't know. Or is he just having fun with it? Because apparently they've uh, uh, they've broken up. Uh, Oilers GM Texas show says, Bob, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Panthers draft pick Anton Ludell will become a better NHL player than Red Wings pick Lucas Raymond. 
Well, Lindell's looked good for Finland. Uh, has Finland, I know they're playing right now. Has, has Lindell happened to have scored the goal? I don't know. And Doug has got a wild text. I, I can't even read it out right now. So I'm going to save this text. Okay, I'm going to save this text for when we come back. Uh, we'll also do an update on the Oilers prospect report for our friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you in Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. You can text us at 780-496-0063. Steven has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 1251 in Edmonton. He says, Bob, heard earlier that all sports and activities are continuing in Japan and the Philippines with virtually no restrictions. Is that true from Steven? Well, I'll have to look into that. And then Steven added, by the way, Bob, uh, Jamie Cartmel's crack about uh, the food bill down on the plane, best laugh I've had in months at your expense. Uh, thanks for the show. Regards uh, from Stephen. <laughs> it, was, it was a good crack. It was pretty good. Uh, that's all right. Doug, here we go. Uh, Brendan, should we even read this one? It's out there. Here we go. You can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Okay, Bob, here you go. Call me crazy. A trade between Chicago and Edmonton. I know the money won't work or no trade contracts, but here it goes. Main principles involved. Nugent Hopkins and Nurse for Kirby Doc. Nugent Hopkins would have to be signed uh, first. You fill in other players, picks money, whatever it takes. Oilers have to uh, throw in a sweetener, maybe Holloway from Doug. Why would Chicago do that? And, uh, under the, and here's the guise of what I'm saying here. Chicago's got, you know, Nugent Hopkins right now is making six million bucks. He's got a year left. This is the last year of his deal. Nurse is up to what? 5.6. So that's $11.6 million. Kirby Doc's on an ELC, of which this year he'll only make 925 because he's injured for the year. Next year will be the last year of his ELC. Theoretically, they could bridge Doc. They Maybe they'll sign him long term, but they could bridge him for a couple more years. And basically have about three other players with the money that you would be theoretically taken back with Nugent Hopkins and Nurse. I, I, you know, this is, this is sort of how the cap system works is you got to hit the home run with your picks and Chicago thinks they've hit the home run with Kirby Doc. You know my feeling. I believe that Kirby Doc, um, will turn out to be a better player than Jack Hughes. Six foot four right shot center. He will be at minimum a second line center in the National Hockey League. Against the Edmonton Oilers in the playoff series. I'm going to throw this back on Brendan Escott's uh, lap here. Brendan, did Kirby Doc not look like a second-line center in the NHL at the age of 18 in the play-in series against the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, without a doubt. And, I, you know, I can recall reading that he was he was the best defensive forward on his team throughout all of last season on a team that did include, of course, Jonathan Taves. So, I mean, that might have been high praise, but absolutely the ceiling is there. This narrative, by the way, this narrative out there that the Oilers got embarrassed by Chicago or destroyed by, did you actually like, watch the games? Like, it's not like Edmonton lost 5 nothing, 5 nothing. They blew a 3-2 lead in game number three and then lost by a goal in game four, of which both those games were there for Edmonton to get. Did Jonathan Taze dramatically outplay the Edmonton Oilers? 
I don't think so. The surprise was Kirby Doc. The surprise was that the Oilers didn't win the next matchup because Doc played that well. Nugent Hopkins at this stage in his career is a top six player. There's no question. Right now he's a left wing. And he's probably going to get north of $6 million next year. And my hope, just so everybody understands, my hope is it's on a long-term extension with the Edmonton Oilers because I, like you, want to see Ryan remain at Edmonton. Okay? Uh, but in Chicago's case, four years from now, five years from now, Kirby Doc could be the captain of that team and a first-line center. In this past playoff, he performed at minimum as a second-line center for Chicago. So, Doug, I you, you said it yourself. Call me crazy, Doug. I'd say there's no chance that Chicago would deal do that deal. Boomer says, why in the heck would either team do that trade? He was just having some fun. Uh, John has texted the show to say, Bob, how do Oilers fans change a light bulb? They don't. They talk about how good the old one was from John. Now, that is from an Alberta number, because I thought it might be from a BC number, uh, where they've never had the switch on for a Stanley Cup championship. So, uh, Bob, the Oilers could have Zgrass or Boldy instead of Broberg. Just a thought I'd remind you. Why? Because Zgrass and Boldy have put up points? Like, <laughs> Broberg's played basically two periods of the World Juniors and has three assists. It's just patiently wait and see what happens and not overreact to everything that happens in the short term at the World Junior Championships. Uh, Randy says, Bob, the order, the Chicago Blackhawks are more likely to trade Patrick Kane before they move Doc. Uh, Randy, I, I get the sense of what you're saying, but it is my personal belief that Patrick Kane will start and finish his NHL career of Chicago. Him and Taze, to me, play the duration in Chicago. It's just, they're those type of players. That's that's who they are. They're those guys. Into the Oilers now. Prospect report brought to you by James H. Brown, injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at jameshbrown.com want you to stay safe and stay positive. Here's Brendan Escott. Dylan Holloway, actually the only member of Team Canada not to register even a shot in yesterday's 10-0 win over the Swiss. So he should come out uh, guns a-blazing tomorrow against Finland. We're just talking about Sweden's captain, Philip Broberg. He'll be back in the lineup tonight against Russia. That's a critical game for both teams. Carter Savoy, a point in each of his last two NCAA games before the Christmas break, so give him seven goals, four assists, and ten games. Denver gets back at it on New Year's Day. And a fifth rounder from this year, Ty Tulio, is uh, playing in Slovakia right now. He's got five points in his first six games there. Uh, You mentioned Carter Savoy. I'm going to hit on him a little bit later on in the show because I did receive some information yesterday from another NHL organization connected to Denver University. And... uh, that's it's a pretty interesting little piece. So uh we'll say that. We'll tease that for one fifty five today. Uh we will have Oilers Now Trivia for Greta Barr coming down the pipe at one twenty five. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers in the River Creek Resort and Casino today at about 104. And uh, John Shannon, our NHL insider at one thirty five. Off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.